0: Hi, I'm Danielle Radoitchen. Welcome to the fourth of the My Big Idea podcasts for ASOS, recorded at London Fashion Week. In this episode, I'm talking to Alexandra Shulman, the editor in chief of British Vogue. Here she is, talking to me about her impressions of London Fashion Week and her tips for working in the fashion industry. Hi, Alex. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for joining me on the My Big Idea podcast. Um, we're here at London Fashion Week, and you've just been to the Mary Petrant Zoo show. How was it?
1: It was a very, very classic Mary show. Uh, she'd kind of gone back to her roots of these very elaborate prints, and it was very embellished and rich, and um, I felt she'd had real fun putting it together. Um, have there been any other highlights for you so far? Well, for me, it's only day. Well, I suppose it's day three, um, and almost everything's been really, really good. Uh, I saw Preen before coming to Mary, and they did an absolutely beautiful show. Wonderful, kind of. They're very good at mixing. Is kind of quite romantic dresses with a kind of hard edge. Um, and it had the most lovely kind of hair and makeup. Yesterday, Simone Rocha and Jonathan Anderson were both really standout shows. Mm, I felt like they both had almost gone to another level with those shows. I thought that um, having come from New York, where everyone's, uh, I feel much more engaged with. Being concerned about how to sell fashion at the moment and, you know, what business is like. And then to come to London, which is just so kind of still so rich in creativity and that still being the kind of, you know, the, the, the trunk to the whole thing. it's It's been very um, striking and, and quite exciting and rewarding to yeah. see.
0: I was actually going to ask you about that because I guess you know recently there's been a lot of buzz about what's been going on in Paris with all the stuff happening around Vetements and so on and I was going to ask you and you know obviously there's been a lot of stuff happening here with Brexit and so on how you think it affects the creativity of a young designers, and what your thoughts are on that
1: Designers that um, I've spoken to and from what I've seen still seem to really be sort of keeping their eye on the creative ball and um, if they've got concerns about what's going to happen post-Brexit or if they've got concerns about what's happening in terms of a kind of retail model, it's not in any way affecting what they're producing, which is, is wonderful. Overall, I think the whole fashion industry is um, very, very engaged in trying to work out what people want and what the best way of providing to customers are. In New York, I saw, um, I went from a Tom Ford show, which was immediately on sale in like Bergdorf Goodman and his stores, and then the next day saw Tommy Hilfiger's show, which you could literally shot live while it was on this pier. And you know, they were sort of the two ends of the kind of retail s- price spectrum, I guess. And it was interesting to see, you know, how that felt. And uh, I haven't got the figures, so I don't yeah. yet know how they worked or didn't work. But it was very much the kind of thing that was dominating um, New York. Mm. Whereas here, it just seems to be much less of a big thing, although obviously Burberry are making a big deal out of it for their show tomorrow.
0: Yeah. What do you think about that see now, buy now, that whole idea of everybody expecting to be able to own something they see
1: the second they've seen it? I, I feel um, mixed about it. I think some people want some things immediately they see them and some people don't want to have what they see immediately i'm not sure that everyone looks at fashion from the point of view of what they're going to buy for themselves anyway and um, overall i've got a feeling that it's going to come down to in the short term to lots of different models lots of people trying different things trying to work out what's best for their audience it's going to be quite difficult for magazines because we're going to have to navigate everyone's different methods Um, but maybe in five years time a sort of completely different model will have emerged and certainly the idea of these fashion shows is quite a kind of old-fashioned notion where hundreds of people travel around the world to see hundreds of different shows of clothes that in the main aren't available in the shops for at least four or five months and sometimes aren't ever available in the shops. That is a kind of quite recherche concept and yet at the same time I think for the creative people in the industry it's a moment that they really treasure and prize and it kind of inspires them and, and makes them able to make fashion exciting. So do you think that's what the point of Fashion Week is now? I think it's to some extent been the point of Fashion Week for a long time. Um I think there are different points to Fashion Week, and different people are focusing in on different points.
0: Because mm. obviously, there's this whole, you know, most people, a lot of people have been saying how it's all just about spectacle now and creating stuff that's going to look good on Instagram. Um, but I was interested, you know, as someone who has been to the shows for, for, a, for a while now, um,
1: whether you think there's any value in actually going to these live events. I, I think the big issue I, I felt in, again in New York was that it was becoming all about the spectacle, and that really was the issue there. And that I thought was quite sad because. Not everybody who's a good designer can afford to create a spectacle. And also, from a personal point of view, I'm not really there for a spectacle. I'm there to look at the clothes that I haven't seen before and to take something away from that. And the more of a spectacle that surrounds the clothes, the less attention you can pay to the clothes. You put in a book, um, and it's called Inside Vogue. On your Instagram,
0: that you 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 said that um, it was kind of the real story, a kind of diary of the hundredth anniversary year of Vogue. Um, and you were also in that BBC documentary recently called Absolutely Fashion. And in your Instagram post, you kind of implied that what you were telling in your book was maybe the real story. And I was wondering if the portrayal of what happened in that um, TV show was maybe not quite what you thought was the right thing.
1: Well, the first thing is, actually, the book's not out until October the 27th, but you can pre-order it on Amazon. Um, It's already on the bestseller list. um, I I know, which is great. Um, The book... I I wanted to write a diary of the whole centenary year. I thought it would be very helpful for me because it was going to be an awful lot to pull off and I thought it would be quite a kind of anti-stress device for myself and I thought I could make a good book out of it. Um, So that was the starting point for it. And then when the, uh, the documentary was being filmed... Obviously, I was writing a diary every day, so I wrote about you know, what had happened with the filming most days. And I haven't changed really anything in the book, uh, despite a lot of temptation to do so, where I've seen I was wrong or events didn't pan out the way I thought they were going to. But reading back when I was reading the proofs of the book, which by which time I'd seen the documentary, I was kind of fascinated to see... Um, my reaction on the day to what was happening and how it differed to what actually came out in the um, in the doc. But what was also interesting was how much of what Richard put into, the director put into the documentary, were things that I had actually written about in the diary because, obviously, if you're being filmed all the time, I didn't write about every single filming thing and it's not a huge part of the diary. But I think it does... It's certainly my own feelings about what emerged from the documentary and what I felt as it was going on are quite different. I think if somebody follows you around for nine months and they come down to a two hours, obviously they've got an edit and they've made a decision about what they want to put into that. And I I think the only thing I would say is I think the character that he made me in the documentary certainly anyone reading the book will see that I'm a very different personality from the person that he made me um in that I'm I'm not nearly as um fearsome (laughs) and ferocious in real life um did you enjoy it what what? having the cameras trailing you around for all that time I was interested in the process. At the time, sometimes it was interesting. Sometimes it was quite kind of ego-boosting for it. Sometimes it was just downright infuriating. Mm. Um, Having seen it now, I'm sort of 50-50 on it. I'm very proud of how the magazine came out. I think as a group, we came out as really professional, really serious about our jobs and about fashion. And it would have been so easy, as so many people do, to make fashion look foolish and and that didn't happen um but i think it's not quite such a kind of stressed stern place as perhaps came across
0: yeah well everyone i know saw it and they all really enjoyed it so (laughs) good um what do you say to people who want to get a job working on a fashion magazine today
1: well it depends what job you want to have working on a fashion magazine um I think fashion magazine brands are probably stronger than ever in terms of the recognition of names, whether that be Vogue or whether that's, for instance, an L or a Harper's Bazaar. Um, But the amount of work outside, literally what you produce in a magazine that goes on, is now enormous. And so if you want to work on a magazine you may not actually find that the majority of the jobs are going to be as a kind of a writer or a stylist. There are going to be a lot of other jobs.
0: Mm.
1: And um, I was also interested to know, for people who might want to follow the kind of career that you've had, mm. what, what do you read on a daily basis? Well, I was going to say, if you want to work really on a magazine, or what I call a real magazine, which is the magazine bit, um, you've got to read. You've got to read other people. And I'm really shocked by how little sometimes people, when I'm interviewing them, appear to have read. And when I say, well, who do you like reading, or what journalist do you like, you know, seem to have a very, very narrow knowledge. Um, so that I'd, I'd say people should read a lot. I read um, well I read newspapers every day. Which newspapers? Yeah, I read The Guardian I read The Daily Mail though I vow that I'm going to stop but I do still (laughs) read it Um, I think The Times is very good at the moment actually and uh, I read The Telegraph although not every day. I read The Financial Times on the weekend and The Observer on the weekend I read New York magazine, The New Yorker. Um, I read uh, Vanity Fair. A lot of kind of glossy magazines. Mm -hmm. Any particular writers? Um, I'm not somebody who reads magazines or newspapers, actually, for for specific writers in the main. Um, I'm more kind of driven driven by the subject. Um, And then I read read a lot of books uh, you and I were talking about books a few yeah. weeks ago um, but I, what I don't read very much and I mean it's a it's a gap is I don't actually read that many blogs I haven't really got used to to reading reading blogs. Why do you think that is? Because I read so much else and I feel like I've, I've read enough. I don't feel I need to, but that's not saying that I don't need to. I know that there are some very good people. And sometimes if I'm on Twitter or something or someone sends me a link to something someone's written. Actually, I read quite a lot of people posted their own little kind of Blogs about the program, and two or three of them were, you know, had really, really interesting points. You a know, very kind of sophisticated reading of it. I was really impressed.
0: Mm. Okay, and finally, so you've, obviously you've had Kate Middleton on your cover now. <laughs> who's got to be the kind of be all and end all of cover girls? Is there anyone else that you'd like to have on the cover of Vogue who you haven't had yet?
1: Um, gosh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think I've got. A real ambition for any one person. Uh, uh, What I would like is, from the point of view of editing Vogue, I would love it if there were models were allowed to gain a more kind of long-term career. I think there's a real problem in the industry where the, the hunt for the new the whole time has meant that we haven't really grown any big models who people are interested in. So people say, well, why do you have Kate Moss after all this time? You know, how many covers? People are still interested in Kate Moss. And on the catwalk, I just saw there there wouldn't be a girl that most of my readers would even know their names, let alone actually want to buy a magazine because we featured them. So I would like to see people other than us trying to sort of build up models. Because I think if you've got a fashion magazine it's great to have models you know four or five issues a year um and i'm quite keen to try and have a slightly more diverse group of people on the cover um bit of an experiment for next year see where we get okay.
0: i'll look out for that all right well thanks very much for talking to us it's great
1: to have you pleasure thanks
0: that was alexandra shulman talking to me at london fashion week Don't forget to download previous episodes of My Big Idea for more advice on building a career in the fashion industry. And you should also check out the ASOS Magazine fortnightly podcast, These Four Walls. I'm Danielle Rudoychin. Thanks for listening. Bye.